We are called to live faithfully for Jesus 168 hours a week. Welcome to the Faith 168 Podcast with Brandon and Chris. Welcome to the Faith 168 Podcast, a weekly faith-filled podcast that aims to inspire and encourage you on your walk with Christ. Each episode is designed to explore different aspects of Christianity, like biblical teachings and personal testimonies that help you deepen your understanding and relationship with God. So whether you're a new believer or a seasoned Christian, our podcast is a place where you can feel supported, challenged, and empowered. So join us every Friday as we delve into the Word of God and share stories of faith, hope, and love. Thank you for tuning in to the Faith 168 Podcast. My name is Chris, and I'm here with my co-host, Brother Brandon. We're, we're so glad to be back for another episode. Uh, last week, we didn't have an episode aired. That is completely my fault, and uh, well, I'll blame the piece of ham that I ate. Uh, it was ham, I, huh? Yeah, it was ham. Oh. Yeah, I had food poisoning last week. It hit me about the time we would typically record, and then I was so sick, and Brandon did his best to try and take over, but uh, I'm the one who who posts all of our episodes and stuff. So he sent me a recording, man, he did a whole recording just for you all. And you'll never hear it. (laughs) Maybe, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, so we're back. I don't have food poisoning anymore. I I feel better than ever. I'm glad to be back and recording another episode. I know brother Brandon is as well. And we're going to continue on in the book of Jonah. And I think this is a very good thing that we're looking at tonight is as we may or may not wrap up Jonah. Let's just see where the discussion goes with this. But Brother Brandon, go ahead and, and introduce yourself again and because I know people have probably forgot our names after a week and tell us what we're going to be talking about a little bit here. All right. Yeah, it's good to be recording another episode of the Faith 168 podcast. I'm Brandon, a co-host of this podcast and with Brother Chris here, of course. And we're going to hopefully wrap up our series in the book of Jonah, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. And shrimply put, <laughs> we're going to dive into the deeps of this book. And Jonah, man, he's, he's a real catch. I've got to show you. <laughs> and the book is not so sophisticated. <laughs> Some even call it sensational. <laughs> and we're going to wrap up this series and, you know, Seeing it go makes me so emotional. <laughs> oh boy, that was a bunch of them. <laughs> that oh was goodness. that was all the arsenal puns. Do you, do you I had, sit back man. and just practice these sometimes? Yeah, because I'm not that uh, quick witted, so had to visit a few websites to get the best ocean underwater puns possible. <laughs> but and you, you just know, had a VBS that was ocean themed too. That's right. Yeah, yeah, it was under under the sea, and it went swimmingly. I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, I had to pull out all the best ones. You know, mm. we're we're wrapping up the book of Jonah, and we just wanted to go out with a bang. So <laughs> yeah. But we're looking at Jonah, as we said, we're wrapping up our look at this, and it ends at chapter 4 with Jonah basically waiting around to see what God's going to do to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh had already been shown the mercy of God because they repented due to God working through Jonah's very short message. Mm -hmm. But Jonah 
Man, he's not content with that, is he? He, in this last chapter, is kind of waiting around, seeing if God's going to go back on his word and maybe judge the Ninevites after all. Right. And we see that Jonah has become really angry with God uh, because he has shown mercy instead of judgment. Mm -hmm. And last time we kind of looked at uh, Jonah's sinful heart, you know, some of his pride and his spiritual blindness, all reasons that caused him to be angry that Mm -hmm. God shows mercy sometimes instead of judgment. But we're going to continue on and look now at the end of this book, verses 5 through 11, where God shows mercy to Jonah once again. Mm -hmm. And let's first of all read verses 5 through 9 to see how God shows mercy to him once more. It says, Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade till he should see what would become of the city. Now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah, that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, It is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, Do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, Yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. Yeah, man, he's a little dramatic, isn't he? Boy, he really is, man. <laughs> Just he was a Debbie Downer before that was ever in mm-hmm. common usage, you know? Right. Super sour, this prophet from Israel. Right. Basically, what you see here first is he storms out of the city because mm-hmm. he's mad that God didn't bring a storm of his judgment upon Nineveh. And he goes to the very edge, reaches the fringes of Nineveh, and pitches a tent. He does a little camping here in this story. And he's waiting to see if God is going to run out of mercy. Mm-hmm. And if possibly the Ninevites' repentance would run its course. Right. You know, maybe maybe one of those things would be the case. Okay, God might go back on his words. So I'm going to watch and see if he'll destroy the Ninevites after all. Or I'll watch the Ninevites and see if their repentance is really true. Maybe they will go back to their old sinful mm-hmm. ways. And, and you too, you would think as a prophet that he would want to see this repentance going on. And instead of going out of the <laughs> yeah. city and waiting possibly for it to be destroyed, that he would be so excited that he would want to be a part of that, that he would want yeah. to stay down there. You know, like take take our camp, for example, that we just went through back in June. You know, there, there were times, I mean, yeah, the kids make you want to pull out your hair, which I don't have any hair. You do, Brother Brandon, so you probably <laughs> understand that a little bit better. Well, going to camp is one reason why I'm probably losing it. <laughs> right, right. But, you know, when, when we see them worshiping, even, even when some of them have been, for lack of better words, brats for the whole day and testing yeah. our patience and whatnot, <laughs> When, when I see them repent, when I see them turn to God and, and worship him the way that he deserves to be worshiped, man, I just want to jump into it. And yeah, and right. uh, 
I, I can't imagine a prophet of God. And, and that's why Jonah is so interesting to look at, mm-hmm. that when he sees the work of God being done, instead of wanting to be a part of it, removes himself from the equation and, and just kind of sits up on a hill waiting for them to be destroyed. Yeah, it's kind of weird, you know. Like you say, you might expect a prophet whose job it is to preach the word uh, that he might be glad and rejoice that, hey, you know, job well done. I preached Mm -hmm. the word, God did the work, and, you know, saved these people. But that's, again, what makes Jonah such an interesting character is he has the complete opposite response of what you'd expect from a prophet. Right. He's not at the edge of the city, you know, taking a seat and gazing with joy at what God has done. He's not brushing off his hands, you know, after a job well done, as I mentioned earlier. Actually, to the contrary, Jonah is folding his hands together, kind of like a villain would do. Right. You know, hoping that God would bring swift judgment and withdraw his hand of mercy from his enemies. Mm -hmm. That's what he's been longing for all along, just waiting and hungering even for the city to fall and for God's judgment to fall upon them. Right. And the fact that he was so committed to this is is displayed for us in the fact that he builds this booth, this tent, mm-hmm. and he is prepared to wait out the remaining 40 days in the blistering sun to right. see if God or the Ninevites are going to change. Because remember, his message was, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Well, right. They seem to have repented pretty quickly. And Jonah's like, all right, you know, I'm going to wait out the rest of this time and I'm going to see if God or the Ninevites will go back. Mm-hmm. And so that's why he makes himself a booth outside of town. Now, the irony, you know, this book's filled with irony, but the irony right. of the situation is that, as you probably know, Brother Chris, booths in the Old Testament were actually memorial symbols of God's grace and mercy. Mm-hmm. You can probably remember, you know, God's instructions in the Feast of Booths or Feast of Tabernacles in Leviticus 23. Right. The Israelites there were commanded to live in tents for seven days. And the reason was to commemorate their redemption from Egypt when they also lived in tents in the desert. Right. And God basically told them, you shall dwell in booths for seven days. All native Israelites shall dwell in them that your generations may know that I made the people of Israel dwell in booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. Mm-hmm. And I mean, dude, you couldn't get more ironic than that. that right. Jonah is mad that God is merciful, but mm-hmm. builds something that has been a symbol of God's mercy throughout the whole Old Testament. Right. Something he would have done too, you know, be, being yeah. one of the leaders in exactly. that. And, and you got to wonder if there was ever a moment where, where he kind of felt hypocritical right there yeah. as he's looking up at a tent that's supposed to remind him of the mercy of God. And he's sitting there in that tent in a spirit of mercilessness, of, of wanting complete destruction for, for a great amount of people. Exactly. Yeah, and, and don't that just tell you, no matter how Jonah tried, he couldn't escape the fact that God is merciful. Right. He, he tried. He really did try. But even this tent that he constructs is a reminder and memorial of the fact mm-hmm. that God is merciful to those who do not deserve it. Right. And 
that's what this book's really been all about. There's been signs and manifestations of God's mercy all around this merciless prophet. The belly of the fish, that was God's mercy. Right. The land upon which he was vomited was mercy. Right. The Ninevites' repentance was mercy. And now, as we're about to see, there's a plant that grows up above Jonah that is God's mercy shown to him as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. And we see that in verse 6. Um, it says, God appointed a plant, made it come up over Jonah, that it might be a shade over his head to save him from discomfort. And he was glad because of the plant. Mm-hmm. Finally, got a, got got him happy, you know, got right. him smiling for once <laughs> in this entire story. Yeah. Thank you, God, for giving me a plant. Not thank you, God, for causing a group of people that wanted to kill my people to repent and put their faith in you. Just a very, yeah. very interesting way of looking at life, right? For real, that's the condemning irony here is... He's thankful for a deliverance, right? Mm -hmm. A deliverance that paled in comparison to the great deliverance he just witnessed in Nineveh. Because here he is in the blazing Middle Eastern heat. And it must have been pretty bad, you know. And you got the dry desert air blowing all around you. And he's glad that his body is spared from physical discomfort. Yeah. But he's not glad that souls had been spared from it's I can't even hard to say it eternal discomfort because that really doesn't even do justice eternal right. punishment really mm-hmm. uh, he's saved from the sun but he's not glad that people were saved from the heat of God's wrath right very ironic here mm-hmm. the his own head was shielded by a plant he's glad for that but he's not glad that the heads of thousands of Ninevites were shielded from God's anger by what we might call metaphorically the vine of his divine grace. Right. It's kind of like, man, how can you be grateful for the deliverance and salvation provided by a gourd, <laughs> you know, yeah. but ungrateful for the deliverance provided by God. Yeah. And that shows really the mindset and, and really the contents of his heart at that moment. Right. And, and we can see that in our world today where, and we've seen it throughout history, just just read your history books, honestly, where a group of people can be so dehumanized that even some of the strongest in faith, even some of the biggest leaders in faith, uh, look at just simple objects that are around them is more worthy of gratitude and dignity and mm-hmm. and then people and we've seen that all throughout history and certainly Jonah right here is exemplifying just how yeah. greedy and how narcissistic our mm-hmm. hearts can be sometimes if we're not careful and it's really hard to be harsh on Jonah even in this instance like I don't want anyone to die in fact i don't remember i don't know if you remember like when a a certain terrorist was was captured and killed one day and then everybody was rejoicing in the fact of that that this man had been killed and all i could see at that moment was that a man died and 
experienced yeah. God's eternal punishment. Yeah, really and, tragic. And it was hard to to rejoice in that. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, at the same time, how many times have I thought of people or, or put people off to the side because my wants and my desires I saw is better than them, uh, better than worrying about them, you know, and, and we can get into that in, in smaller forms a lot of times, but even sometimes, even in this, there are people that look at a whole group of people and say that they're a waste. For example, there is a form of that here where, where we live today. We look at the Middle East and sometimes we almost feel like that's not even a part of our world. Yeah, and right. We see the conflict, the, the turmoil, and, and certainly if you go over there, they think the same thing about us in a lot of different ways. And, uh, you know, they they <laughs> want us dead. And sometimes people over here say, well, we want all of them dead over there. And there's this big turmoil over that. But I, I don't want to see the Middle East destroyed. I want to see the Middle East saved. And yeah, uh, that's not to, to say, Hey, look at me. I'm better than Jonah because guess what? Jonah's probably the reason I feel that way. I've looked at Jonah's hatred and where it brought him and the fact that he cared more about this plant than he cared about people. And that really was an eye opener to me looking at the hatred in, in some people's hearts to where they just dehumanized a whole group of people. Mm-hmm. And, and really, people are a creation of God, worthy of dignity, worthy of respect. And the best way you can respect a person is to share the gospel with them so that they might be saved. Yeah, and I think you bring up a good point, that which we've been stressing through this whole series is, you know, we got to tell the truth about Jonah because that's one of the purposes of this book. But at the same time, we can't be too hard on him because, you know, if there's any question about who we are in this story, it's him. Mm -hmm. I think we get confused on that a lot. When we read the biblical stories, we see the great heroes, you know, in scripture like David and Abraham. And we're like, oh yeah, that's me. I would, Mm -hmm. I would definitely take little pebbles and destroy a giant with it or, you know, if God called me to pack up and leave everything like Abraham, I'd definitely do it. But mm-hmm. man, I think we're we're probably giving ourselves too much credit there. Um, right. Most of the time, we are the failure people, the losers right. <laughs> in the right. in the biblical narrative. You know, but the thing about it is, the reason we are is to highlight the fact that God loves us in spite of that, right. and that He yeah. uses us anyway because. Jonah, I mean, he's about the worst prophet in the whole scripture, you know. Right. But God didn't never never wrote him off. He loved him. He was patient with him, and he even used him to bring a whole nation to repentance. Right. Um. But you know, talking about Jonah, you know, still being angry here and upset that God delivered the Ninevites, we must ask the question: What was it exactly in his heart that made him feel this way how how was it that he didn't see the irony here in Mm -hmm. being thankful for this plant but unthankful for the great deliverance of the ninevites and i think the answer and chris you might elaborate on this but i think the answer simply put is just sin i mean sin just has that blinding effect on us where 
we're blinded to God's many mercies, even when mm-hmm. they're before your face or in Jonah's case, right above your head. Right. You know, he just, he yeah. just allowed sin to blind him. Yeah. And the devil, he, he really uses our sin to blind us and make us useless for the will of God. And he does that artfully because he knows, you know, especially as a Christian that we're saved, we're secured. We we've got an eternity uh, that we're going to be spending with Christ, but he also knows that we're the ones that lead others to Christ and that God uses us imperfect people for his perfect will to, to lead others to his saving grace, just as he's using Jonah, a very imperfect man right here to do that. But mm-hmm. you can also see an enemy at work here. And, and I think you're right is that sin is blinding. Um, and I think one of the sins that Jonah's having to work through is his anger. And anger is a very big one, especially amongst men, I believe, as well. We really like, me mad, me angry, me don't like, you yeah. know? Yeah. And, what is part of us, you know? I mean, there's right. studies like that we are just naturally more aggressive, which is kind of a, can be used as a protective instinct. You know, that's right. how God made us is to be protectors. But sin can get a hold of, that good faculty we have and malign it for evil purposes. Right. And a, and a little leaven leavens the whole lump. That's a scriptural understanding as well. A little sin leads to a lot of sin. And the more you sit down in that anger, for example, we're looking at Jonah right here. He's sitting down in this anger. Uh, he was angry on the boat. He was even... a. It seems like he calmed a little bit down in the belly of the fish, but he was still focused on himself. So it, it, it was like maybe a half a step forward at most <laughs> yeah. and maybe like three steps back as soon as he was vomited out onto dry land. But now we see him really reverting back to that anger. And it, it really kind of sets up that idea. A lot of people, when we read about that prayer of Jonah, are like, wow, good, Jonah. But we see that his heart really wasn't that greatly changed uh, even during that prayer. And we, we broke it down how it was a mm-hmm. fishy prayer. But here he is sitting in his sin, sitting in his anger, sitting in his prejudice, sitting in his seat of judgment, not over just the Ninevites, but even over God, as we've talked about before, that he's kind of judging God for being merciful. And, and being loving, like, yeah, yeah that's bad, God. To, you're showing weakness here. Uh, but I, I'm glad God's merciful. He should be glad that God's merciful, too. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and this is a tool, too. This, this plant that God's providing for Jonah right here, uh, it's him showing his mercy, but it's also a teaching tool because it's going to pose a very big question for us as, as we, you know, look on throughout the rest of this chapter. But I think you're completely right on how he overlooks everything that's pointing him to the mercy of God, that it's his sin that's blinding him. And we've got to be careful not to fall into that. And that's why Jonah's here for us. Jonah's here to show us the worst parts of us. So that way we don't, do that. And I've, I've talked about this before, but did you know that millennial fathers spend like 300% more time with their children? And the idea is that 
millennial boys grew up and their fathers never focused on them. And that was a bad thing. And Mm -hmm. they realized it. And instead of continuing on in a very bad habit, they instead decided to focus and say, you know what? I wanted a dad who was there for me. So I'm going to spend more time with my kids. And millennial fathers spend 300% more time with their kids to a point Mm -hmm. where I was changing my child's diaper one time and a woman looked at me and she said, I've never seen a man change a diaper. And for a moment, my head swelled up with pride for like, you know, yeah, look at me. I'm a good dad. But Katie (laughs) changes like 80,000 times more diapers than I do. (laughs) I'm doing like the bare minimum (laughs) and I'm getting congratulated for it. And then they look at her and it's just expected. Yeah. but we saw a bad habit. We saw something bad that we didn't want to do and we changed it. And that's what we're supposed to do here with Jonah. Correct. Look at the bad, realize it's bad, realize where that might be happening in our life and don't give in to that sin. Don't let that sin blind you. Keep your eyes open. Be ready for the attack of the enemy because the devil is going to use hatred. He's going to use anger. He's going to use whatever sin he can, lust, is a big one as well, just to keep you useless for the will of God. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. And you bring up a good point. You know, Paul says in the New Testament that these things, talking about the stories of the Old Testament, were written down for our instruction. Right. And in these stories, we have good and bad examples. The good examples were called to imitate as best we can by God's grace. The bad examples were called to avoid as best we can by God's grace. Mm Mm-hmm. And speaking of an example, God uses this plant that comes up over Jonah as an example of something to teach him. Mm-hmm. And we continue on through here in verse 7 through 8. It says that dawn came up the next day. So you've got a period of, of uh, you know, 24 hours here. And it says, God appointed a worm. Got another mess- uh, messenger of creation here, an agent of God's uh, will. Mm-hmm. He appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. And when the sun rose, God appointed, here's another appointment, a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. He asked that he might die and said, it is better for me to die than to live. Mm. Now, you know, Jonah, if he had possessed the piety of Job, he might have said, the Lord giveth. <laughs> the Lord take it away, you know, but he didn't. Um, mm-hmm. But what we see here is God killed the plant that he grew, appointing yet another agent of creation to serve his purposes, which in this case was a worm. And I got to say, the worm was probably just as happy as Jonah was when the plant first came up because the worm got him something to eat here. Yeah, ate all the, yeah, ate all the roots of this gourd plant or whatever it might have been in the Middle East. And moreover, God sent blistering winds to worsen Jonah's agony, actually, to the point where, according to this story, he nearly fainted. And of course, as we kind of mentioned earlier, Jonah's anger had sort of reduced to a flicker for a time because of that uh, that, uh, comforting plant. But now it's just reignited. It's burning hotter than it ever has before. Yeah. And through all this... It brings out Jonah's evil heart, and God comes to Jonah patiently again with another question and says in verse 9, Jonah, 
do you do well to be angry for the plant? You're so angry you want to die? Mm-hmm. And, and basically, here's what God is saying in this question. Here's what's so important about this. Essentially, the Lord is asking him, all right, Jonah, let me get this straight. You mean you feel sorry for a plant that perished so soon, mm-hmm. but you don't feel sorry for people who are going to perish in 40 days. Right. You, you feel compassion and pity in your heart mm-hmm. for a seedling because its life was cut short but you have no compassion for souls Mm -hmm. whose eternal damnation would never end if they didn't repent. Mm -hmm. And I almost feel like that's talking to a toddler. Like I can almost picture Jonah running around in a diaper right now and about, you know, two feet tall and and stomping his feet and God kneeling (laughs) down like a little, you know, like dad and talking to a, little child because you know I do that with my my child my toddler you know she'll she'll jump up on something and she'll fall off and she'll say ow and she'll cry and her lip will quiver and I'll go over and I'll hug her and then (laughs) say all right just don't do that again and what does she do she gets up and does the same thing again and her little lips quiver and I'm like now Maisie (laughs) tell me is this really what you want to do? You know what's going to happen here. You know what's supposed to happen here. And you're really going to climb back up onto that couch and jump off the same way you did when you cried last time you did that. And and, and I can almost see him just stomping his feet. like, And I can almost see him somewhat connecting the dots here. Like he understands mm-hmm. something, but he is so, so deep in his hatred and his sin right now that he'd rather just not admit it yeah that he'd rather just say like he did before on the boat it's better for me to be dead and yeah like that and that's why i said at the very beginning man he really sounds dramatic right here Uh, yeah like a spiritual toddler yeah exactly and and i think uh you explained that well this is kind of why god's getting down on his level you know, mm-hmm. teaching him through these object lessons. Jonah's acting like a baby. He gonna get, he's going to get treated like one, you know? Right. Um, like you Talk said, you know, slow. when it comes to like disciplining your kids and whatnot, you, you can't discipline them from high above, you know, and say, do you understand the gravity of the transgression you just committed by violating the fifth commandment by mm-hmm. dishonoring your father and mother? You know, you can't really... <laughs> Can't really do that. Um, and that wasn't going to work with Jonah either. He was too stubborn. He was too prideful. And, you know, again, that shows God's mercy for him. He's disciplining him because he loves him. Right. And he is coming down to his level, teaching him through this object lesson. And what's amazing about how this story continues and really how it ends is we see, lastly, that God gets the last word here. Mm-hmm. And yeah. We get to the climax of this book and its theme, and basically what God says to Jonah at the end here is, look, Jonah, I I realize you love that plant because of the comfort it provided you, and you pity it because it died so soon. You love that plant so much. So, Jonah, why can't I love people that Mm -hmm. much? Yeah, You feel pity for a plant? Don't I have the right to feel pity for people, the Ninevites? You you care about your burning body, 
and can't I care about souls who would be right. burned without my mercy? Yeah. And that's it, what we see last. Yeah, and that's what we see verse 10 through 11 where it, where it says, And the Lord said, You pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor yeah. did you make it grow, which came into being in the night and perished in the night, very short-lived. And should not I pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left and also much cattle? And, and so this ironic question raised by God right here is this. If if Jonah will not allow God to have compassion on Nineveh for the sake of 120,000 people whom God labored over, who God created and cares yeah. for, will Jonah not allow God to have compassion on Nineveh for the sake of even those animals? He talks about the cattle right there. Since yeah, after right. all, Jonah was willing to have compassion on a plant. And so the the question is obviously left unanswered, but it's it's one of those questions that's that's thought provoking for us. Exactly. And, and so we see the tool of God's mercy for Jonah was the plant, and it was taken away from him, and he was mad that the plant died, but he's not mad that people and even animals like he even brings up what about their animals too yeah yeah the uh, cattle don't know. forget the cattle jonah and so so that's that's what's very very important to know about our anger and how much it can bring us down mm-hmm. in sin as well and you remember that verse in in james we read this i know it was a long time ago but in James one twenty, where it says the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness mm, of God, yeah. I think we see that verse very plain and clear in in Jonah's life, right here. But he he had such an anger that he was mad that a plant died, but he wasn't going to be one bit mad if a hundred and twenty thousand people died and their hmm. cattle as yeah. well. He. He'd rather see the plant live than people. And that's sad. That, that's extremely sad. But I've also seen that in our world today. And, and we cover it up. We, we cover it up in many different ways. Yeah. We justify it in many different ways. Probably in the same ways that Jonah was justifying it. Mm-hmm. Hey, the Ninevites are killing and enslaving my people. The Ninevites are enemies. The Ninevites, he might even use what God talked about right there. Don't know their left hand from their right. You know, they Mm -hmm. were evil, despicable, scummy people. And in return, Jonah was also being evil, despicable, and scummy towards them. And have you ever heard that idiom? Uh, Two wrongs don't make a right. Oh yeah. Pretty common. (laughs) And and so that's, that's what we got right here is two wrongs, not making a right. Nineveh was wrong for what they did, but what are they doing because of their wrong right now? They're repenting. And Jonah is wrong, and we don't ever see a time of repentance. I really hope he repented. Uh, You know, I I can't wait to meet him one day and talk to him uh, a little bit more. But, uh, man, I just, I have no words when you think about that. 
that he yeah. was mad about a plant rather than people. Yeah, it is pretty crazy. Um, and I think you brought out a good point that, you know, it kind of seems like at the end of this book, there ought to be more, you know, like mm-hmm. after verse 11, Jonah ought to be given a chance to respond here. Mm-hmm. But this book is so intentionally crafted. I think that it ended the exact way that God intended it to, where, you know, not only does God get the final word, but hey, when we come to the end of this story, this question lands right on us too. Right. You know, yeah. what, what do we think about mm-hmm. God showing mercy to people that we think don't deserve it? You know, it's not really about Jonah anymore, is it? It's about the reader. It's about us and what our response is to God's love. Mm-hmm. And and I really think if we if we agree that, okay, yes, God has the right to show mercy to whom he wills, if we agree with that, we not only just need to say amen, we need to say amen with our life. Right. We need to do the opposite of what Jonah did and become vehicles of God's mercy by preaching mm-hmm. the gospel to the lost, loving our neighbor, and being used as God's tool and vessel to show his mercy to the undeserving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that's... When we read Jonah, uh, if you haven't figured out, I really like poetry, but it's very, very poetic in, in yeah, fashion. Yeah, for sure. And it really takes the worst parts of a of a person, the worst parts of Jonah. Was Jonah a completely horrible person? Well, if you read scripture, it sounds like it. Uh, but if you took some of the parts of our life and condensed it down to a couple pages and one verse elsewhere in scripture... Uh, you could make your life sound really bad as well. Yeah, and right. We really see in this this book everything, all the bad of Jonah, and in our self righteousness, sometimes we like to say, "Man, <laughs> you know, at least I'm not like Jonah." But we are. Yeah, we are right. in a lot of ways like Jonah, and that's what this book is is all about. Uh, that that we see the bad of Jonah, we see the worst parts of Jonah, and we see the worst parts of ourselves mirrored in Jonah. And it helps us to be more compassionate, to show more mercy, because we've been shown such a great mercy by God as he sent his son, Jesus Christ, into this world to die for us. That, that scripture is pops to mind right now, Romans 5, 8, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's how God demonstrates his love for us. Right. While we're still sinners, Christ died for us. We see that same mercy poured out on Nineveh. That's the mercy that was poured out on us. And if God can show us that mercy, we have to show others that mercy. And we have to be a living sacrifice, like Paul says in Romans chapter 12, that that we need, and that's a reasonable service, he says, to be a living sacrifice. Why? Because Christ lived for us, he sacrificed all for us, and we should do the same for him. Not out of obligation, but out of love. That's what love will do. When you truly love someone, you give your all for them. God loved us, he gave his all. If you love God, you will also give your all. So, yeah. Amen. 
But I think that's a good spot to to wrap up this yeah. this episode. Do you have any closing remarks, Brother Brandon? Um, no, I think that'll do it. Um, not salty at all. Uh, I think uh, we can wave goodbye to this uh, very great book and this deep dive into the ocean of truth um, from the book of Jonah. <laughs> oh, oh me. my apologies. My yeah. apologies. We'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll talk about the fiery pits of hell for the next couple episodes and see what puns you can come up for that. But, <laughs> oh, that's going to be a lot harder. <laughs> <laughs> well, we want to thank everybody that's listening to this today. Uh, we're so glad to be able to record another episode, and we look forward to having many more episodes after that. We look forward to Brother Rob being back here soon in the next month or so uh, as he's getting done with his classwork and everything like that. So you will get to listen not only to me, not only Brother Brandon, the master of puns, but also (laughs) Brother Rob will be back with us, and we look forward to that. So thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Faith 168 Podcast. We appreciate you all. We love you all. And Brother Brandon is going to dismiss us in prayer. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your grace and mercy. Thank you for loving all the Jonas of the world just like us. Yes. Thank you for the great truths that we've seen in this book. We pray that we might have the grace and strength to apply them to our everyday lives. Help us, Lord, just to be thankful for your mercy and to be vessels of mercy to to sinners all around us by preaching the gospel of grace to them. And uh, just be with us. We pray, God, you might grant us power through your spirit to live faithfully for Jesus the next 168 hours. We pray these things in his holy name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Faith 168 podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a review on whatever streaming platform you are using. If you have a prayer request or have a topic that you would like us to cover, Message us on the Faith 168 Podcast Facebook page, and we will see you in 168 hours.